Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Where the White Coats Come Off, a podcast totally dedicated to pre-PAs. We know how overwhelming the PA school application process is for you, and we want to make sure you're a competitive candidate so you can get accepted to PA school. There's so much that goes into applying to PA school, and it's so competitive. But if you hang with us, you will have the edge and the information you need to set you apart from thousands of other applicants. Before we get to today's episode, we want to tell you about our incredible Pacers membership, where we do weekly PA shadowing hours, introducing you to amazing PAs and tons of different specialties that you can put on your CASPA application. Remember, your goal is 50 hours of PA shadowing, then three to four hours a month until you are accepted to PA school. This is because you need to demonstrate your dedication to the PA career to the PA schools you apply to. This goal is so easy to hit in our Pacers community. We have lots of PA shadowing recordings, plus a new PA shadowing hour every week. We also do coaching intensives to make you a stronger applicant and lots more. You can put this membership and these shadowing hours on your CASPA application, which immediately makes your app more competitive. So come join us in this amazing community, get PA shadowing hours, and instantly make your app stronger. So go to the show notes right now to learn more. And now on to today's episode. Today, I want to talk about some interesting statistics that I found in our journal. It's the JPAE Journal or the Journal of Physician Assistant Education. So most PA educators are actually subscribed to this journal because we are always trying to figure out how to better our admission practices, how to accept you know, students that are going to do well in our programs, how to teach better, how to improve our outcomes, how to improve student knowledge, etc. Right? So this is a really, really great publication. And they did a study on our pants performance. So if you know anything about PA school, you know that once you graduate from PA school, in order to get that C behind your name, PA-C, right, you need to be certified. And you get certified by taking your pants exam or sometimes it's referred to as like our board exam, right? So you can't practice as a certified PA without taking this exam. And pants just stands for the Physician Assistant National Certifying Examination. Right. And one of the goals of programs is to have a high first time pass rate. Right. So if we graduate students from our program and we say that they were competent to graduate, they met all of our metrics, they passed all of our classes, all of our tests, then we want them to go and pass their boards. Right. We want them to pass this pants exam because we want our program to be rigorous enough that they make amazing PAs. In order to do that, you have to pass your exam. So that is one major goal of PA programs. And you're actually required to list the last five years of your first time pants pass rate on your website. So you can can go on to any school and see in the last five years how many students have passed the pants exam on their first try and that's typically when we refer to pants pass rate it is the first time pass rate because if you don't pass you have to wait a certain amount of time you're unable to work students loans build up you have to pay for it again and there can be some challenges if you don't pass the first time so they did a systematic review on things that predict good pants scores in students and this was really, really interesting because if you know anything about the pants is it actually was updated in 2019. The blueprint, meaning what is on the pants, what you're expected to know after you graduate from PA school, was updated in 2019 and I think it made it harder. It expanded some areas I think that are pretty tough, for example, like renal. And it took some time away from other areas that I thought, at least in my opinion, that are maybe not as hard to understand. So I think it's a little bit harder, but it has been updated in 2019. So if you're listening to this and you're gonna graduate soon, or in the next five, 10 something years, you will be using the new update. So when examining student attributes and performance metrics, the researchers of this study found that there were some admission variables, meaning when you're applying to PA school, there were a few things that predict 
pants performance. And this is really important because as students, obviously you guys want to get accepted, right? And then as faculty members, we see, wow, there are some predictions of who does the, the best on the exam. And those students are more likely to get accepted, right? Because we think that they're going to do better on our board exams. We're going to have a higher pants pass rate, etc. So it's really important to note that there's some things admission wise that they mentioned, and there's some things in PA school. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the admission things that they think correlate with pants results, at least in this study. And then some things as actual PA students. So if you're actually in PA school, you can kind of gauge how ready you are. Okay, so when it comes to admission variables, so pre-PAs, pre-matriculate GPAs, and performance in science prereqs predicted PANS outcomes. So there was a positive relationship between academic performance and PANS scores. So this kind of makes sense, right? So, but they're saying that if students do better in undergrad, in their pre-matriculant GPA, and do better, especially in their science courses, they do better on the pants, at least in these three schools that they studied. And again, more schools need to be studied on this, but it was an interesting correlation because sometimes as instructors, I don't see a whole lot of correlation between GPA and success on the pants. Sometimes our students with really, really good GPAs were surprised when they don't pass. And sometimes our students that are just kind of average, they do really, really great. So it's interesting to note that they actually statistically, they actually took the data, right? And they noticed that yes, there is a positive correlation between performance in science prereqs and pre-matriculate GPA and passing the pants. And this is important for you because when programs look at this, this is why they have those minimum GPA requirements. Sometimes you're like, oh, why? Like, why do you have these requirements? Because again, they want to accept the right students for them, the students that are gonna do well in their program and pass the pants. So I thought that was really interesting that there was that positive correlation because I'm not sure that I have 100% seen that, but they said they saw statistically significant correlations. And let's say you're in PA school now, maybe you're a PA student listening to this. Well, they also, found some correlation between certain aspects of PA school and passing the pants, right? So a few of these were testing. Obviously, there is a lot of testing that is specific to each school. For example, like when I write a test, I write a test based on my lectures and the book assignments and the labs that I've done. But there's also some tests that you can have that are kind of national, right? So the PACRAT is one. So if you're in PA school, you've probably heard about the PACRAT. It is a test that has been used as a predictor of success, right? Which kind of makes sense. There's also at the end of your rotation, so let's say you're in family medicine, you go out and you do family medicine, you come back. If your school does end of rotation exams from PAEA, then those also correlate as well. But what's interesting, they also had a couple classes that correlated well, and especially clinical medicine one and clinical medicine two. Now that's really, really interesting because obviously clinical medicine is the bread and butter of PA, right? You need to be able to take a symptom, make a diagnosis, and figure out what's going on in treatment plan. But every school's clinical medicine is a little bit differently. Some people don't even call it clinical medicine. Some might call it something else. Some have clinical medicine one, two, and three. Some just have clinical medicine one and two. Some might have clinical medicine one, two, three, four, right? Some people teach pharmacology inside the clinical medicine, and some teach it outside the clinical medicine. So, you know, every school is a little bit different, but it was interesting that at least with the schools that they chose, they found that clinical medicine one and two, the grades in those classes also help predict along with your PACRAT scores, right? So your testing scores and your end of rotation exams, especially in family medicine and internal medicine. And that makes sense to me because when you have to do family medicine or internal medicine, you have to know a little bit of everything, right? You're going to see renal stuff. You're going to see pregnant women. You're going to see kids. You're going to see musculoskeletal. You're going to see endocrine and diabetes, and you're going to see sick visits. So you have to know a little bit of everything, but that's really, really interesting. So if you are a current PA student, 
and you want to kind of see like how well you think you're going to do in the pants, right? Look at those pack rat scores. We don't just use those just for us. We want you to look at them too and kind of figure out what your weaknesses are. Look at your EOR exams, especially family medicine, internal medicine. How are you doing compared to the rest of the PA schools in the country that are taking those exams? That can give you some really, really good ideas on what your success rate might be. And of course, as a pre-PA, really rocking up those science classes can really show that you have a high likelihood of passing your pants. So if you're a pre-PA too, again, you wanna be rocking out those courses, but if you have a lower GPA, I don't want you to be discouraged by this, right? This study did not study things like patient care hours or letters of recommendation or, or anything like that. So it just basically studied stats. That's when it comes to testing and GPA and, and all that. So if you, for example, have amazing patient care experience, but maybe your GPA is a little bit lower, you know, don't, don't think, oh, that means I'm never gonna get in. I just thought it was interesting to kind of show what they found statistically, but again, they didn't take it into account the kind of holistic. This is just basically data driven on things like certain types of exams, certain types of cumulative GPA, certain types of classes, NPA school, etc. But I just thought that was interesting. So I wanted you guys to know that that is what came out in our journal the last month. Thank you so much for listening to where the white coats come off. We are so excited for your future as a PA student and a PA. We hope this CASPA cycle is going great for you. Our rule is if you aren't landing interviews, there is something that needs to be fixed with your CASPA application. And if you aren't landing a seat, then there's something that needs to be improved with your interview answers. So if you are stuck somewhere in this process, then definitely reach out to us because it is our mission to help you get accepted to PA school. We specialize in all things pre-PA and to make you the most competitive candidate. From CASPA app editing and feedback sessions to mock interviews, we will show you exactly what you need to do to stand out. Keep up the great work and we can't wait to see what your future holds as a PA.